Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. My name is Lauren and I am I'm part of the team here and it's my joy to be with you today and be able to share with you. Um, but before I even begin, Jeremy and Helen on the front row, congratulations, they um, got engaged um, this weekend, so yeah. Awesome news, we're so happy for for you guys, and may you enjoy celebrating that. So yes, over the last few weeks, we have been in our summer series, Walk This Way. And as the name suggests, it unpacks the journey, but also the direction we must take and the plan required for us to walk this way. This walking, talking way with God, the way of resisting the ways of the world with the ways of God's kingdom. And Emma and Hannah did an incredible job unpacking rest that resists exhaustion, hunger that resists apathy. And today we're going to look at another, and that is what it is to worship. You see, we are created to worship, but what are we worshiping that in order to follow God, we must resist? And I would love to be able to say that I'm going to talk about um, sunsets, rainbows, and even chalakalaka and all things wonderful, but I'm actually going to own it from the very beginning that today, church, we're going to do some heavy lifting but just like weightlifting for any of you gym, gym junkies out there, it's worth it as it builds a muscle within us that will only make us stronger. The earrings are off, which is actually really funny because you will get to my scripture passage just next, but there's jewelry involved in it. But no, the earrings had to come off. They were driving me insane. So yeah, that's the light part of the talk over. But uh, why do why do I pray for us and then we'll jump in and read God's word? So yes, Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love. And I simply say, would you come and meet with us? Would you open our eyes? Would you open our ears? For today, we want to encounter you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you've got your Bible or there's a black one near you, if you don't, turn to page 59 in the black Bibles. And otherwise, it is Exodus 32, 1 to 16. And we'll read from there. Awesome. Come, Holy Spirit, 
When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Well, take off your gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing right God thereof, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and they brought them to Aaron. He took what they had handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down, because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation." But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. Today, rather than unpacking this passage verse by verse, we are going to look at what happened with the Israelites here. What went so horribly wrong in this scene? A scene that when we read it, it actually sounds so obvious and could easily have us talking back at the passage, just like we do a movie or a sports game saying, come on, Israel, get your act together. But in actual fact, the Israelites, well... I think I'm one of them. And whereas I haven't literally taken off my rings, I have my earrings, yet in my heart I've done just what they did time and time again. You see, I have worshipped idols. 
Here in Exodus, we read of the people of Israel, a people chosen, loved by God, a people who have witnessed God, the awesome miracles in Egypt, encounters of the glory of God in their camp, the parting of a sea when they simply stood still and watched the Lord rescue them, defeating by God as he cares for their most basic of needs, the victory of God as battles are won, and then the instructions from the Lord in the Ten Commandments. You see, these people, they know who God is. Yet here in this scene, there is a pause. There is this brief moment where Moses is up the mountain and there's a pause in the tangibility of God that leads to impatience and it shakes their faith. You see this shaking causing them to unsettle and to settle their worship on the other than God's alternative. Having known God, they refuse to glorify God. And here, the first two commandments are broken. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must have no other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Exodus 20, two to five. You see, the first commandment reminds us that our walking with God flows from the love that we have for God which in turn is a response to the love that he has for us. We love because he first loved us. It all starts with him. For the people of Israel, this love was demonstrated by God's deliverance of them out of Egypt. And what we read that seems so obvious suddenly, I think, becomes a lot more subtle. This pause, our impatience, the subtle shaking of our faith, and then the reliance on self. Misplaced love. And a Godward focus that turns inward. This is idolatry. In misplaced love, you see, we misalign our thoughts about God as we take attributes of God and make gods of other things that allude to being able to fill the gap and secure that need. In this instance, this calf, it represented strength and power. Made of gold, it represented richness, provision, security. Attributes of God, but not God. They settled instead on some self-made pseudo-saviour, a temporary fix, and they worshipped gifts from God, not God. And they loved the other. 
a Godward focus turned inwards as they decide what is worthy of their worship, their love, as they try and satisfy their need for God and his love, as they self-soothe their need for security and saving, and as they try ultimately to save themselves in this moment of uncertainty. When you look to anything to give you what only God can give you, it is idolatry. And boy, am I guilty of it. Anything that you say, if I had that, well, then I think life would be okay. If I had that, well, then I would feel this way. And and you know what, then... I'd be okay. Then I would believe this. Then I would be able to do this. If I had that family, that skill, that beauty, that health, even that healing, that religion, that ministry, success, relationship, career, that business, even that breakthrough, the list goes on. You see, we can make idols out of anyone or anything. Tim Keller writes that idols are when a good thing becomes an ultimate thing. And so often that really is what it is. It, it's not bad things that we make idols out of necessarily. It's actually the good things. Just like we see in the Israelites, it's the gifts from God that actually they make idols out of. You see, when we strip it right back, though, because I think we could spend all morning just in that list alone, and I'm sure we could each write our own list. But when we strip it back, and when I've spent time stripping it back recently, I think the idol at the root of so many of these is the idol of self. When we lose sight of God, our lenses focus on other things more. When we lose sight, we replace, we displace, and we misplace him as the focal point of our worship. And when our lens turns from God, it turns inwards as we try and meet our need for God, his love for us and our love of him in response. In 2003, the world's lens officially turned inwards. All those years of selfies that, do you remember the day whenever you took a selfie and you actually had no idea whether your face was in the screen or not? I would like to say if you've got short arms, it still hasn't got much better. But yes, in 2003, the screen turned inward. And today they say that the front-facing camera is more of a necessity for people than a keypad. From 2003 onwards, the world got acquainted with this new hashtag, selfie. 
And in 2013, it became the word of the year because it increased in usage by 17,000% in just that year alone. Don't get me wrong, taking a selfie is not a sin. But what I want us to see is that we live in a culture that based on what we've read and what we are unpacking today is that we live in a culture that has refused God's love, yet it still has a massive need of love for love. And as a result, it has turned to love other things and idolizes self so often as its savior. A culture that is in desperate need for God, yet does not know God, and therefore has everyone looking in on themselves and the world as the object of their worship. For we are a world created, a created world made to worship its creator, a loved world created to love the one who loved it first. Yet, It is in and out of our self-reliance that we forget that we were created for God's dependence. The idol of self masks itself as so many things. Self-importance, self-protection, self-motivation, self-help and improvement, And again, these aren't necessarily bad things, but it's when we look to them as our saviors. I don't know about you, but I could so easily tick the box for each one of those things. And my question is, how is it going for you? How's that self-protection working out, how are all those ways that we use to try and self-motivate ourselves or self-help ourselves? How is it going? Have you found what you're looking for? Have you got the help that you really intended on getting? Or has it just fallen short of what really is enough? You see, just like the people of Israel, when we experience times of pause, we so often become impatient. I become impatient. There's a subtle shaking of our faith, and we have a choice, and rather than worshiping God, we rely on self. And almost whenever I take this broken down recipe, I see it in my own life with new perspective. I see all those moments where I've been in a situation and there's been a pause and I've kind of lost track of this tangibility of God's and I've become impatient. And rather than sit and wait on God and pray and believe the truth that you know what, he has heard my prayer and yes, I trust him, I kind of go to plan B. I go to me and I rely on self. 
You see, we build idols to fill the gap, the God gap that only he can fill. A Godward focus turned inward. As I sat on this um, a few weeks ago, God added two more to my list. And, and they are more be- no better or no worse, but they simply are what they are, a mask of idolatry. And that is self-hate and even self-harm. And yes, they can feel extremely sticky. But when we take the created thing, us, me, which wasn't meant to be worshipped as God, but it was meant to be given the worth, the love, the acceptance that God gives it. And instead of worshipping God and believing what he says is true of us, we instead worship the view of the world and the enemy's whisper that so simply sounds like ourselves but actually screams hate. It screams worthless. It screams right off, fill in the blank. And we just simply give it more power and authority than God's truth about us. Self-hate and self-harm, they are just a subtle other form of idolatry, but how do we resist it? How do we get out of that, that we are so stuck in that almost feels like it has us held captive? That thing that just robs us of rest and torments us and never seems to end. Well, misplaced love needs replaced in God's love. And in his love, we are reawakened in our love of God's in response. You see, worship is therefore restored, and it is worship that is our resistance. For worship realigns us to who God is. It redefines who we are. It refocuses our attention and devotion on God. And it refines the collective heart of the church. A church that worships God above the culture is a church that stands apart, where the spirit is poured out. And as a result, we are transformed and empowered to seek and love God more. This is a church on fire. When repentance and worship become our rhythm, and that's exactly what it has to be. It is not a one-time event. It is a lifestyle. It is a rhythm of worship where idols are resisted, and worship resists the forces of this world, and therefore communities can't help, help but be transformed. And the thing about that is if we stand back and look... that when repentance and worship become our rhythm and our idols are resisted, well, I believe that not just the church will be transformed, but history will be too. You see, God is at war for the love of your heart. And as John Tyson writes, until we see idolatry as spiritual idolatry, 
we'll be really prone to dismiss it. We have a choice. We can resist God, worshiping, loving other things first, or we can surrender our idols. We can turn and return to the cross and allow his love in. And we can then love him back. We can return to our first love for his love is for us first. But it starts with your heart. Psalm 139, 23 to 24 says, Search me, God, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. This is a mighty prayer to make a rhythm of. Let God reveal the idols of our hearts, but then let him lead us out. Invite his spirit in, as God does not call us to see of ourselves. We are invited, we are called to live freely in his saving love and approval. When we become more shaped by the rhythms and ways of culture than the gospel, our hearts begin to wander. We lose our way as we forget his way. We lose our wonder when we leave behind our worship of the one. We lose our soul as we strive to save it and satisfy it with the sugar of this world, only to crave the very thing we have lost even more, a heart fully alive, fully free, fully loved, accepted, secure, connected to the one true and living, loving God's. It's time to come alive, church. Alive to the love that God has for you, for me, for this region and beyond. It is time to be reawakened to true love that is the source of true life. For our hearts to beat again, not to the rhythm of the world, but to Jesus, to the one who came in love, to in love, to love us back to life, back to eternal life. To walk this way with God, you see, it demands our heart. And God is a jealous God, and he wants all of it. So we have a choice. Who or what do we love? To be in love with God or to be in love with the other. And it's not necessarily a case of love that person or love that thing less. But actually what I think God invites us into is the adventure of what it looks like to love him more. You see the passage that we read of at the beginning in Exodus 
Moses, he comes in as an intercessor and prays for the people of Israel. You see, he stands in the gap, kind of a Christ-like image. He calls on God, God, remember your promises and keep your cover over them. You see, Moses represents the people to God, and now as their leader, he goes down to represent God to the people. Again, this Christ-like image. Later, if we read on in the passage, the idols are destroyed, and there is so much hope in that because ours can be also. The idols are broken, yet they are unable to come alive again. Yet if we layer this passage in Exodus with the message of the gospel, Jesus was broken. He broke for my sin, for our sin. He broke for my misplaced loves. He broke for our misplaced loves. He broke for us. Yet the difference, he came alive for us. Moses gives an opportunity to return to God, to turn from idols, to turn from sin, and to repent of misplaced love. And Jesus comes to do the exact same. You see, God renews his covenant with the people Israel here in Exodus. God yet draws us back to his love time and time again. Sending Jesus to save us and to show us that he truly is the true and better idol. You see, we need to look at Jesus to be reminded of this love. Jesus, the great intercessor that laid his life down to make atonement for our sins, those misplaced loves, our self-saving pseudo-saviors. We have a new covenant with love, with his love, a love that can truly satisfy as our idols, well, our misplaced loves, We only ever reach for them, I think, out of a longing to be truly satisfied. And my question is, to me, to you, would I even reach for them if I had first gone to God and been satisfied in him? I don't think I'd need to. You see, we are loved, and we have a choice to return to his love, to be satisfied, fully satisfied in his love, and we can return to our first love, for his love is for us first. And I think it's really important that we get that part, that it's not about us going clean up your act, get rid of those idols, and then, well then, God will love you back. We have got it wrong. 
if that's what we're believing. But no, we return to the first, our first love, because his love was for us first. And with that, as the band maybe wants to come back and join me, the words of Jesus I'll remind us of, and that is today, I feel like he would say them to each of us, and that's repent, believe the good news. The kingdom of heaven is here. When we return to love, we return to worship, true worship, worship that resists idolatry. So let's return. And to return that getting rid of idols and taking off the rings and the earrings, as we heard at the very beginning, it was noisy, it was not smooth, it was messy. Giving up our idols is a little bit like that too. And I think um, there's just a beautiful space today to do some business with God. To repent, to believe the good news for the kingdom of heaven is here. Who wants to return? Who longs to be satisfied? Who, when you really begin to untangle and disentangle your life, do you realize that I've been reaching for that thing? I've been trying to save my life in that area. I've been trying to get my worth from that thing or that one. But actually, it's never quite enough. And I'm exhausted. God doesn't stand here angry, disappointed, or annoyed. I think he'd actually just say, I love you. So come. I love you. So come. And this is a safe place to come. His love is wild. His love is fierce. But wow, his love is safer than your idols. So why don't we repent? The band, um, they're going to lead us um, in some worship. And as we spend time in this first song, what I would love for you to do, if you feel comfortable, 
is to simply come and even kneel and lay down. What is that thing? What are those things that maybe we've touched on that you know God's just calling you to have even begin the conversation about, yeah, this is it. This is the habit. This is the thing. And yeah, I actually don't know how I could do without it, but you know what? That's where we let God in. You don't need to come with your plan. Just come with your idols and lay it down. And we're just gonna allow God to minister. We're gonna just go with the flow of what he has for us this morning. But I feel like the first step is for us to come. And then I think there's a couple of steps to follow from that point, but I really think that the first step is a posture change of repentance. It's a the way we describe repentance so often is it's like it's a turning from. And yes, God can meet you right where you are, but I do want to leave the front open to that sense of sometimes a posture change can actually help with a perspective change. So why don't you come and in laying down your idols, we're just going to pray that we encounter the love that loved us first. Again, idolatry is simply misplaced love. And laying down our idols is simply a way of coming and realigning our love. So why don't we come? And included in that, I'd encourage you just to begin to come if that um, hits home for you. And as I mentioned earlier, the two other ways that um, are all wrapped up in just the same spiel as self-motivation, self-protection, self-help, or self-harm and self-hate. And I really just feel like if those words um, hit something, hit, hit home with you, that's okay. But I feel like God just wants to love on you this morning and love you back to life. I feel like he would say that no amount of hate or harm will heal you or satisfy you, but he will. And he simply wants to love you. So come. So let's worship God, but as we worship, if any of that rings true, I would love you to just come to the front, to lay some things down, to do some business with God, as we would also love to pray with you. Because we're not on this, in this journey alone.
So let's worship and let's repent, believe the good news for the kingdom of God is here.